Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh everyone. Welcome back to Quran 3030. Alhamdulillah. We are now at Juz 28. We want to remind everyone and thank everyone for their support. Alhamdulillah throughout the month. Uh, please do inshallah ta'ala as we wrap up Ramadan, continue to support Yaqeen amongst your other causes and uh, inshallah continue to benefit from the resources. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, uh, tonight we're joined by um, our uh, Ustada, our life coach, our, uh, our, our um, I, don't, I don't even know what to, Sister Abna, you, Alhamdulillah, you do so much for us on the inside, you keep us all motivated all the time, inshallah. Um, board member, of course, at a technical level. Um, we are so happy to have you uh, with us. And by the way, like we got comments. I think it was interestingly enough yesterday's yesterday's chat. Uh, there was when is Sister Lubna coming? So like we we wanted to deliver it. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Amin. So um, welcome, welcome. I got, I got, a, title. I got a title. I got a title. The Culture okay. Queen. The Culture Queen. <laughs> culture Mashallah. Queen. That's, We're that's gonna go we're going to update the website right now. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my honor and pleasure to be here. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, that's very good. So, Ustaz Lubna, I mean, you, um, you've been, Alhamdulillah, a national tarbiyah director for Mass, obviously, and um, you know you do a lot out there in SoCal, Alhamdulillah. When you're not giving us um, you know, webinars and when you are not um, you know, giving us all sorts of life tips. You're in the mountains, right? That's kind of your thing, right? Yes, it really <laughs> is my thing, and I love it so much. I consider it like my umrah, really. My husband and I, we love camping, and it's so good. I, I love it. Alhamdulillah. Mashallah. Mashallah. May Allah subhanahu wa bless you. Like, I, I think I think Sister Lubna has attended board meetings while ziplining. Like, like every time she turns the camera on, it's like, where, where are, how do you even have signal out there? It's, so our, like one question for you before we get started. Do your, do your kids fatwa shop between you and Sheikh Sohail, your, your husband? So like, do they ask, do they pitch y'all against each other for religious opinions at times? They do. <laughs> they do. And then when they, and then when they're like, oh, I don't, they, then they go to Yapin and, and it's might not even be a then. They probably go to Yapin first and then like mom and dad, whatever. <laughs> By the way, mashallah, my daughter daughter totally, like within seconds, somebody, a, a professor was contending her about hijab and saying it's not in the Quran. And she's like, yakin, doot, 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 hijab. And she put it in the chat and the teacher's like, thank you, the professor. SubhanAllah, UCLA. So mashallah, <laughs> man, uh, yakin comes in clutch. Big time. Alhamdulillah. 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 May Allah bless you and your family. We're very happy to have you. Alhamdulillah. Um, on, a more, on, a, on a more serious note, and you know, obviously Sheikh Abdullah is here, and, and you know, we wanted to um, uh, really think about the order tonight uh, in a way that matches the sentiments, I think, of many of the Muslims right now. And our hearts are with Masjid Al-Aqsa. Uh, what's happening in Al-Aqsa, what's happening in Palestine, the importance of dua for our brothers and sisters in Palestine, and all over the world, whether they're the Uyghur brothers and sisters, our Syrian brothers and sisters in Ethiopia. And I mean, it's all over the world, subhanAllah. There's just a lot of trauma, but I think particularly our hearts are very connected to Al-Aqsa right now, as they should be, and to the people over there. And so Sheikh Abdullah's topic surrounds dua, and I think it's appropriate, inshallah, tonight, Sheikh Abdullah, if you uh, you start us off in the night, Ta'ala, with your, with your selection. So tafadl, Sheikh Abdullah. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa la amma ba'du. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate the pain and suffering of those that are around the world and those that are in the 
holy cities, as we see in Masjid al-Aqsa at this time. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that remember them every moment, in every salah, inshallah. I humbly ask all of you, especially today when watching this video, when you turn this off or when you decide to go, you know, and and uh, and eat or sit with your family or going to tarawih, please remember in your sujood to make dua for them, to make dua to alleviate the pain and suffering and any pain that is faced, that's a that it is an expiation for any shortcomings. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, have his his mercy on them. And inshallah, anyone that has wronged the Muslim, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them what they healthily deserve. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that are patient with his qadr and with his hikmah, with his wisdom and his predestination. And that leads me to the verses that I want to talk about in the chapter of Hashar, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about those that have went through the struggle. And because of their struggle, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that, yeah, and he said, you know, he mentions that the struggle in general is mashkuran, or kana sa'ikum mashkuran, that the sa'i or the, 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 the running or the rushing or the, the toil that you go through is appreciated. Also, any type of hardship that is faced, when the Muslim faces that hardship and they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or if that hardship is because of trying to get closer to Allah or in the path of Allah, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is not forgotten. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-alim. Allah the exalted is al-khabir. He is the all-knowledgeable and he is well acquainted with all of the minutiae of anything and everything that he knows, subhanahu. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about, in the chapter of Hashab, he's talking about uh, the muhajirun and the ansar. He actually mentions three groups of people. And I want to briefly touch over them, inshallah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a couple of verses is talking about who the property is for, the fate. And the fate is that which is obtained by the Muslims without any, uh, any uh, dare we say, war or any hardship where anyone had to die, which is particularly different from the al-ghanima. So in speaking about the categorizations of the fate or the, the belongings that are being distributed, the ghanima has certain category, categories that is mentioned in the chapter of al-anfal. But the fay is more of that which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions those categories in verse number seven. What we want to talk about is verse number eight, inshallah ta'ala, which is a comprehensive verse, subhanAllah, and it's eight, eight and nine actually. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions these categories. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off firstly saying who the fate is for as well. He says, after Ardu bin Nanar Shaitan Rajim, Lil Fukara il Muhajirina Ladina Uhuju min diarihim wa amwalihim yabitahuna fadla min Allahi wadwana. The first category is the muhajirun. The muhajirun are those that made hijrah from Mecca to Al-Madinah. But most importantly, as we talked about a couple of lessons ago, that hijrah of the abdan is with the hijrah of the qulub, the hijrah of the heart, the migration of the heart from tribalism to tawheed, from, from classism to being equal, to recognizing that everyone is equal in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La fadla ajami'a al-arabi innama huwa taqwa. As the Prophet said that there is no preference of the Arab over the non-Arab. Verily the preference is with taqwa. So they understood that wholeheartedly. And throughout this understanding, they went through trials and tribulations, physical trials and tribulations, even subhanAllah, emotional trials and tribulations that they went through. And they left with the Prophet ﷺ, with that being the case. That was the migration of the heart to Allah, which led to and which was the motivating factor and which was all that they had to make the migration to Al-Madinah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about them. But he says, look, I said, lil fuqara, meaning that they left every, can you imagine 
leaving your belongings. I mean, subhanAllah, probably Sheikh Omar has seen that when it was, you know, in Louisiana, when people had to, with Katrina, people had to leave their belongings. And as he touched on before, subhanAllah, how people were so attached to their belongings. And in the time of hardship, they make statements that, you know, subhanAllah is not befitting for a human being, showing that they're so attached to the tangible things. But the Muhajirun, during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they were mostly attached to Allah and his messenger because what was in their heart was so strong. So Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the Muhajirin, the ones that were driven from their homes and possessions. And we talked about that. So driven from their homes and possessions because of the trials that they were facing from the Quraysh, from their own relatives that did not want them to become Muslim, that disowned them, that fought them because they were Muslim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that they ukhriju, it's the passive form of the verb. They were driven out with their money and their possessions. But what was the driving? They want the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his favor and his approval. So this is very important for us to understand what the muhajirun, this is not something to be taken lightly. These are people that left all of their belongings, left their families in whom some, which they loved, but this was more beloved to them. You know, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said, none of you truly believe that the Prophet said, none of you will truly believe until I become more beloved to you than your own self. Realizing that that love is the epitome of love and allegiance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. By following the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and having that allegiance to him, this is what they possess. And through this, they want, because of this, you know, this sign of wanting the pleasure and love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what it wanted. So the actions of those that want this pleasure, that have left everything, this in actuality is the nasr of Allah and his rasulah, is the assistance of Allah and his messenger. Because they were leaving off where, where they were comfortably, but it became uncomfortable to where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala legislated for them to go to a place where they will be welcome, which leads to the second category. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says after that, the second category of individuals that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions. So the first was the muhajirun, the immigrants from Mecca to Medina, the Abu Bakrs, you know, the, these illustrious companions that we see that left from Mecca to Al Medina. The second category are the ones that Allah says, those who are already firmly established in their homes. And in Iman. This is interesting. The ones that were established in their homes, being the Al Ansar in Al Medina, that were Muslim, that became Muslim, and in their Iman. And some scholars say, where's the Tabawa'ul Iman? It is because their hearts were firm with the message of Allah and their belief in Him when welcoming Him and the companions. Some scholars say it was the strength of their Iman that made their homes firm, that made their homes well-established because their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their willingness to help the people. To what level? Allah continues on and he says, Now we talk about subhanAllah, even, you know, immigration. You know, they love the ones that are migrating to them. How many times have we seen throughout this year, even with COVID, uh, subhanAllah, even with natural quote-unquote disasters that we term it from hurricanes and things of this nature, opening up stadiums, 
You know, when we saw here in Dallas, the cold weather, the solidarity of people knocking on your neighbor's door, asking if they're okay, seeing this human side of everyone. Imagine if your neighbor knows that you love to help them, that you love to help them because they're a human being and that is their right upon you as a human being and as a neighbor. Imagine if that along with being someone that associates nothing with Allah. So that is what the Al-Ansar understood very well. And that's why Allah gave this characteristic. They love the ones that have immigrated to them. And this should be the culture of immigration in general around the world. When you're helping those that are in need, because there may be something that is going on where lives are being taken, where there is some type of genocide, where there is a, 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 a tyrannical person. And if you were in that situation, you would want to be helped as well. So this is the culture when we talk about immigration that should be present for the ones that have the power to accept or not accept people in their general public. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on. Uh, they And they don't find anything. And this is interesting. So these people, the Al-Ansar, they are the ones that are firmly established in their homes in Iman. And they love the ones that are coming. They love that they are coming to meet them. And after that, they say, Allah says, and they do not find any haja, any hasad. They don't have any jealousy from what they have been given from the faith. They don't, they don't have any jealousy from what they have been given. The muhajirun. And this is interesting because sometimes in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will mention an action and then mention the feelings that one should have or that one should aspire to have when doing that action. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah talks about following the Prophet ﷺ. He says, I swear by your Lord, uh, they will not truly believe until they use you as a legislator and they don't find any tightness in their heart. Because imagine if the verdict was not for you, you're going to feel, well, it wasn't for me. I lost in this argument or in this qadiyya or in this, uh, this system or this disagreement that I had with someone. So Allah is mentioning the feeling here. They don't find any tightness in their heart. Totally selfless. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And this is subhanAllah beautiful. And they give from preference over themselves, even if they were in need. Ithar, Ithar we can roughly translate as selflessness. And the scholars say this is the highest level of selflessness, which is Ithar. There is Sakha as well. But this Ithar is something that is, as the scholars mentioned, subhanAllah, uh, it is to where you make an effort to give something of that which you have from money and other than that. But there's a small caveat. That which you have given, you actually need it. You don't want it. You need it. And that is what the that was the level of the Al-Ansar. That they were the individuals that gave to the immigrants that were the fuqara, that didn't have anything. Although what they gave, they needed it. That's the highest level because you may give something and you don't exactly need it. SubhanAllah, zakat, zakat is to give from your surplus wealth, your surplus wealth. And that's a pillar of Islam. But here we see that SubhanAllah, to reach a higher level, the companions gave from what they needed. Walau kanabihim khasasa. SubhanAllah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a formula. And those that and the way that it's translated is subhanAllah, even 
you know, those who are saved from their own soul's greed, to save yourself from yourself. You are your worst enemy, subhanAllah. And shuh is, subhanAllah, al-bukhul ma'al-hirs. It is a, a, a conscious, continuous greed that, as scholars say, the shuh, you would think that this level of greed would be extinguished by having more money and more belongings, but rather it's the opposite. When you receive more money, that increases your greed. That is shuh. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, when he asked what is the best time to give sadaqah, he said, He said, to give when you are healthy and tight-fisted. He said that you hope to be rich and fear poverty. This is the best time to give charity because you have it and you want to hold it. And it coincides where Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says, Lentana you will not reach true piety until you spend out of that which you love. Not only money, belongings, and anything that you love, you give it to someone because you want to see them smile. You want to see them happy. You know they may need it more than you. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the last category. Those who came after them, they say, our Lord, forgive us of our sins and the sins of our brothers who believed before us. So now, he, inshallah, is talking about us. The ones that follow them in righteousness, being the companions, and they're after the companions, those that follow them and the generations that follow. So understanding, as the Prophet wasallam, he said that the best generation is his. Then the ones that follow them. So seeing here that, inshallah, we fall into this third category of people that we make dua and call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ask us to have the serenity and the softness in our hearts for those that are suffering now, that we make dua for the people that suffered as the companions did. Hence we say, radiallahu anhum, we say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this should always remind us in general, the general fraternity of brotherhood that exists now and anyone that is suffering around the world from the brothers and sisters that we make dua and that we send messages to people to remind them of their virtue that Allah has upon them and to remind them that there are those that are suffering. So let's take that opportunity within these last odd nights to at least put our hands up and make dua for our brothers and sisters in, in Quds right now, what they are suffering now, subhanAllah, innocently facing these tyrannical, you know, subhanAllah, oppression that is going on. And we're sitting here, subhanAllah, in AC, happily, alhamdulillah, listening to the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but never forget those that are suffering to make dua for them and to give what you have for the sake of Allah to help them. And we, inshallah, will fall in this third category of people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us and make us of those that continually are selfless and that think about others and ourselves. bless you and reward you for that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for our brothers and sisters all over the world, subhanAllah, to be even expansive and generous with our du'as. Inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to finish my part quick so I can hand it over to Ustad Lubna, inshallah. So I'm just going to quickly do, because I know my topic ties into to yours, inshallah, anyway. And honestly, there's a lot about divorce. A lot about divorce, right? So Juz 28 speaks to the subject, and I think that it's important for us to, to appreciate that the Qur'an does not leave things out, and it speaks to situations that happened in the time of the Prophet but that have manifestations even if they're disconnected from 
the mechanics of what was present in that society, they have, subhanAllah, the same manifestations that exist today. And so the juz starts off with al-mujadila. It starts off with the woman who pleads. And this is about a woman named Khawla bint Tha'laba radiallahu ta'ala anha. Now you may have heard this story, but I want to mention some of the details and how it ties to the last part of this juz. Uh, Khawla bint Tha'laba is this woman that comes to the Prophet with a plea. And by the way, subhanAllah, the surah that comes down is the only surah in the Qur'an where Allah's name is mentioned in every single ayah. And it's not a one-page surah or half a page surah, right? Every single ayah mentions the name of Allah to say, Allah heard you. Allah heard you. And Allah hears those who are in a situation like you. So Khawla bin Thalaba, she comes to the Prophet Sallallahu and I'm going to summarize the narrations that she mentions some details because uh, you start to get more of a clearer picture from Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha who heard the plea of this woman to the Prophet Sallallahu and she was in the corner and she could make out some of what Khawla was saying to the Prophet Sallallahu Khawla bin Thalaba was an older woman and she came to the Prophet Sallallahu to complain about her husband Al-Aws ibn Samit. And she she mentions she says that um, he was a that, that he was a person and she narrates her own story by the way as well that he had a hot, a hot temper and you know he came home one day and we had been married for some time and we got into an argument and in the midst of the argument when he got angry he said you are to me kalahri ummi like the back of my mother now that pronouncement of vihar to say that you are to me like my mother basically puts a woman in a suspended state, okay? So you're not like my wife, so I'm not going to approach you like my wife, and at the same time, you're not going to get the rights of a wife upon me. You're just going to stay in a state that is mu'allaq, in a state that's suspended. You don't really know what your your, your situation is, and <clears throat> there's no timeline, there's no limit to this. I could leave you in lihar for a day if I want, I could leave you for a year if I want, you just stay in that situation. And so you can think about the cruelty that's embedded within that. Now, Aus ibn Samit, after he had the argument with his wife Khawla, he went to uh, to see some of his friends to blow off some steam. And as he went to hang out with some of his friends and blow off some steam, he came back and you know he was calm again. And he wanted to approach her for intimacy. And Khawla said, "No, no, no! You can't just pronounce lihar on me a few you know a few hours ago and then come back and then you want you know you want to take your right from me all of a sudden like there has to be some sort of consistency that's not doesn't work that way it's not fair and you know at that point uh, she she says to the prophet that he tried to force himself on her and she said but but i was a younger woman than him and i was and, and he was an older man he had some weakness because of that i was able to resist him and push him away and she you know as she's complaining Subhanallah, she says, uh, you know, some things about about herself. She says that after I gave him abundant children, after I gave him the best of my years, after my womb gave him abundant children, after I spent on him, he still put me in this situation. So she was infuriated that he pronounced lihad on her after a long marriage in this situation. And she said, Subhanallah, and this is one of those details that is often lost. Uh, she says that I was so poor that I didn't have a cloak to go see the Prophet Like I didn't have a proper hijab to wear so I could go see the Prophet This shows you by the way, Allah does not only respond to the rich, okay? Nor does the Prophet only respond to the elite. It's not like if Quran does not come down, then 
this elite person is going to really uh, put me in an awkward situation in society. This woman was so poor. She said, I had to go to one of my female neighbors and borrow a cloak from her so that I could go see the Prophet And that's when she came to the Prophet to complain about her suffering, to complain about um, what her husband had done to her. And the Prophet you know, he, he, he said to her that, you know, he's an old man and, and the Prophet prompted her to forgiveness and to, to fear Allah in regards to him. And just, you know, uh, he didn't have a solution at the time, alayhi salatu wasalam. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed Quran to the Prophet wasalam, that Allah has heard. Qad Allah, subhanAllah. Allah has heard the one who came to you complaining about, uh, about uh, her husband. And this is the powerful surah of Al-Mujadira. Now, before this came, the Prophet ﷺ, by the way, he, he was empathetic, but he didn't have a solution. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the hearing of that woman of Khawla radiallahu ta'ala anha and then even said to uh, the Prophet ﷺ and to the Ummah by extension, the formula for how to uh, get yourself out of the situation. So obviously the penalty for the har, uh, violating in that way, is to fast two consecutive months. So she said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ya Rasulullah, he's an old man, he can't fast two months. And then uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, obviously in accordance with the ayat says, then let him feed 60 poor people. She said, Ya Rasulullah, he doesn't have that much. Remember, we're, we're a poor family. And so that's where, SubhanAllah, the uh, the, the ruling uh, was even you know compassionate towards him and his situation and to her in her situation. So it didn't complicate the situation further. However, a strong message is sent down about a person who did not have much status in society and a person who was suffering from cruelty in her home that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed Quran in regards to a woman that was complaining about her husband that didn't even have enough clothes to come see the Prophet immediately to complain. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heard her from above seven heavens. And that elevated her to what point? Umar al-Khattab one time he was walking in the streets and uh, this woman, old woman, right? At that point, she's an old toothless woman. She calls out and she says, Ya Umar, oh Umar, I remember when you were Umair in Suq al-Uqad, in the marketplace, and you used to go around pushing around the sheep with your stick. So fear Allah in regards to those people now that are your flock, those people that have been entrusted to you. Fear the punishment of doing wrong by them. And subhanAllah, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu immediately starts to cry. And he lets her, you know, admonish him. And she's going on and on with him. And some of the, the, the people, they don't know who she is. So they're saying, you know, look, why are you why are you listening to her this way? And, and, and they admonished her. Why are you talking to him this way? And Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu stepped in and said, let her be. Don't you know who this is? This is Khawla, the woman who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heard from above seven heavens. So... Of course, Omar is going to listen to her. I'm not going to cut her off. I'm going to listen to her. In another situation, by the way, another narration where Omar saw her and he left a group of men and he immediately started to take care of her and welcomed her in a certain way and started to listen to her and started to hear from her. And some of the people said, you left uh, the best of Quraysh to this woman. And the Prophet and Omar responded, Woe to you, don't you know who this is? This is the woman who Allah heard from above seven heavens. And he stayed with her. He said, I would not leave her until she got what she came for and or unless the salah came. The only way I would leave her is that I fulfilled whatever she was going to ask of me or the salah would come instead. So subhanAllah, those that Allah listens to, we also should listen to 
And you know, we have to fear the du'a of the mazlum, fear the du'a of the oppressed, as uh, Sheikh Abdullah was just alluding to as well. Now, subhanAllah, what's the connection of this to the rest of the juz? The juz talks about Surah Al-Talaq, Surah Al-Tahreem, and it talks about how to not mistreat our spouses, especially in the process of getting a divorce. And this is really important because Al-Mujadila talked about uh, cruelty within a marriage. And the ulama mentioned, by the way, about vihar, about these jahli practices, that there is no greater cruelty within a marriage than to leave your spouse in a place of uncertainty. SubhanAllah, there is no greater cruelty than that. And so vihar, to leave a person that in a state that is mu'allaq, in a place that's suspended, which was okay at that time, before, before this revelation, that's so, that's so cruel. A woman could be wondering for, for years, you know, what's my situation? For months, what's my situation? And there are multiple manifestations of that, right? Where, you know, uh, people are not committing, right, to their spouses. And when they're not committing to their spouses, their spouses are losing their minds, wondering whether or not they should continue to invest in this. And so they're being asked to invest fully as spouses, but at the same time are not receiving any type of security. And you look at the opposite of that. How did the Prophet assure Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, told Aisha radiallahu anha that our marriage is like this rope's knot. It's tighter than this rope's knot. Right, so giving that sense of security and not abusing that, and you find people like use all sorts of things, and that's why the harsh condemnations about weaponizing intimacy, for example, against your spouse, about you know leaving them in a suspended state within these jahli forms, these ignorant forms of practices that have no basis in Islam, and then you find, of course, Surah Talaq, as we said, it just goes straight to divorce, and this is a very important point that. Just as there is ihsan in marriage, there is ihsan in divorce. Allah used those words, tasrihan bi ihsan. That there's ihsan in divorce. Divorce is not a desirable outcome. It's not something that is recommended in a normal circumstance. It's not something that we should seek. In fact, it should be avoided to the greatest extent possible because when you get married, you get married with the intention of staying with a person. And sabr uh, is what usually keeps a marriage going strong. A lack of sabr is what usually uh, leads to a quick d dissolution of a marriage. Of course, I'm not talking about you know the the, the abuses and things that uh, should you know uh, that that dissolution should be sought from. But I'm talking about you know the idea of hastiness and what we the expectations, unreasonable expectations, and the quickness and the lack of self accountability. These are things that perpetuate a higher rate of divorce. However, at the same time, sometimes it's a reality. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying there has to be ihsan in that too. There has to be excellence in that too, not abuse. Because what often happens is that suddenly the other person is now your enemy. And so it's like, I want to punish you for having wasted my time with this marriage. And so I'm going to resort to all sorts of things. And forget about dhulm, forget about you know the, the, the transgressions or the limits of transgression. Whatever I can do to get back at you for having wasted my time. So I'll punish you with wealth, I'll weaponize if we have children from the marriage, I'll punish you in every way emotionally, I'll talk bad about you. All of these things start to happen, subhanAllah. And Allah is saying, Tasrihan bi ihsan, don't forget the good times that you have. Don't badmouth your, 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 your exes, right, uh, in this situation. And I'm, I'm going to, inshallah ta'ala, I want to wrap this all up. I said I would take a shorter time. Ustad al I apologize. Uh, I, I took longer than I wanted to, to, to take here. But the idea of mercy and the idea of showing that i'll just say this that i have rarely seen rarely seen people apply the sunnah when it comes time for dissolution of a marriage it is so rare the most religious people suddenly all the concepts of 
the process of counseling, the process of arbitration, um, doing right by people, and you know, observing their idda properly. All those things go out the window, even with the most religious of people. And the sunnah shows its brightness in the darkest of times when you apply the Quran and the sunnah of the Prophet And so fear Allah, fear Allah, truly fear Allah in these situations. You see people, subhanAllah, immediately at the time of divorce, they abandon their spouses. Forget about idda, you know, cut them off all together for, skip the arbitration process skip the counsel like go forget about trying to find a, a settlement or a solution that is in accordance with our deen just immediately skip all of that and throw it out the window so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us in this juz to have ihsan in marriage to have ihsan when there are arguments within marriage the things that 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 you know are normal in marriage and then to have ihsan even if marriage comes to an ending in the case of divorce may allah grant us ihsan excellence in all of our affairs Allahumma ameen, and inshallah ta'ala with that, uh, Ustad al-Lubna, I know that you have a lot to share in this regard, and I apologize for taking uh, more time than I wanted to. Jazakumullah khair. Barakallah feek. We enjoy, uh, of course, listening to both you and uh, Sheikh Abdullah always, of course. You can never talk for too long. Barakallah feek. Bismillah wa salatu wa ala Rasulillah. So I wanted to talk, uh, reflect upon two verses in Surah Al-Talaq, as uh, Sheikh Omar had mentioned, um, and those are parts of verses two and three. And subhanAllah, these verses are so powerful, uh, not only within the context of divorce, but also in the context of, of any difficulty that we may be facing. So I wanted to talk about it from those two perspectives, inshallah. And the ayah is, the end of verse two is, وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجَ وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبْ وَمَن يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is saying, whoever has taqwa in Allah, Whoever has taqwa in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will make a way out for you. Allah will make makhraja, will make a way out for you. Um, uh, subhanAllah. And, and, and here taqwa, of course, just a reminder that, uh, you know, we, we typically say, you know, fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's, it's God consciousness where we fear the displeasure of Allah. We don't want to do the things we... We don't want to do the things that will displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it is the desire to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we're thinking about Allah, we're thinking, is this pleasing to him? Is this not? So this, inshallah, is is, is taqwa. So then what Allah, what else does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Uh, and what else? And he will provide sustenance for him, will provide rizq for him from a place he would have never imagined. This is so profound, subhanAllah. And then, and then the final kind of capstone to this beautiful uh, couplet of ayat that gives so much hope. Uh, and whoever places his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is enough for him. Allah is enough for him. So, you know, what's interesting here, as uh, Dr. Omar mentioned, that uh, this surah, surah at-talaq, and, and this ayah, by the way, comes early in the surah, but it is talking about the hudud, the boundaries. You know, what are people supposed to do within the uh, the divorce process, before, during, and after? And and here, the, the, the reminder here, for those of you that are getting divorced, be God conscious, as Dr. Moore mentioned. Don't throw out all the sunan and all the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out the window. But what's powerful here. For those of you who have taqwa in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will make a way out for you. Because for those of you who have gone through divorce, for those of you who have loved ones and, and uh, that have gone through divorce, it can be a very necessary thing. Um, uh, but unfortunately, unfortunately, it can be very messy uh, due to this lack of taqwa uh, uh, on one on the part of one party or both. Wallahu alam. Um, it can be very messy. So that, you know, 
when somebody's going through a state of divorce in this situation, it's a time of great upheaval. Where am I going to live? Who, where, where are my kids going to live? I, I want my kids. My, my, my ex wants my kids. He wants to do it like this. I want to do it like that. SubhanAllah. Uh, how will I pay my bills? I don't have a job. No, SubhanAllah, so many questions. It's a, it's a massive time of upheaval. So this, this, these ayat are coming as a comfort to you that are going through this struggle. Whoever has taqwa in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will make a way out for you. And what else? And what else? And will provide sustenance. Sustenance is not just money, but it's, it's uh, you know, it can be wealth, health, it can be a job, it can be a new spouse, inshallah, can be a child. SubhanAllah can be so many different things. We'll, we'll provide from you for you from a place you would have never imagined. So don't rack your brain and think how, how, how. Of course, take all of the, uh, um, the measures that you can do, of course. You, you know, look for a job. You, you know, try to get that, uh, uh, that counseling between the two of you. Try to get the arbitration. Get all of the means. Do all the means that you need to do to settle your affairs. But when you are stuck, realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide a way out and will uh, provide sustenance from a place you would have never imagined. And what else? And reminder, whoever puts his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whoever has tawakkul, Allah is enough for him. The lawyers can try to mess you up. Your ex can try to mess you up. Family can try to all of a sudden become your enemy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is enough for you. So difficult to remember during these ex extreme times of hardship. And yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding you and all of us, inshallah. And um, what's interesting is that this uh, ayah, uh, the sebab of Nuzul, the reason why that this uh, ayah was revealed, and it is mentioned in the books of Tafsir, there's a narration that has some weakness in it, but I thought that subhanAllah, it's again uh, reaffirming such a powerful concept that there was a man uh, um, who was, did not have a lot of financial means. You know, subhanAllah, he was struggling financially. He had a lot of dependents, a lot of children. And on top of that, and on top of that, his son was taken as a captive uh, uh, during battle. And so this poor man and his, and his uh, wife were so distraught. You know, what is the status of their son? Is he alive? Is he well? Is he injured? When is he going to be returned? They don't know. So of course, this is a great, great difficulty and test. And happened to be that Prophet Muhammad وسلم, was visiting this tribe. And so the man went to Prophet Muhammad وسلم, seeking his advice. And he told him his situation. He said, Ya Rasulullah, advise me. What should we do? Prophet Muhammad وسلم, advised him to say, La hawla wa la illa billah. Say this, you and your wife, say it a lot. Keep repeating it. La hawla wa la illa billah. That there is no strength nor might except for that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a great reminder for us in times of our difficulty, just to remember the, the, the might and the strength of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't need to figure out where and how. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most mighty. He will, he will uh, help us, inshallah. So this man went back to his wife, advised her what uh, uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, advised him. And they kept repeating, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Until subhanAllah, while Muhammad, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings, as Allah, uh, was still there in the tribe, they see what? Their son coming in the distance. And not only that, not only returning home safe and sound, subhanAllah, that he is carrying a goat uh, in his hand. SubhanAllah, the goat was injured and Prophet Muhammad mentioned uh, uh, to the family that they could go ahead, it was okay for them to go ahead and, and uh, you know, kill this, sacrifice this uh, animal and to go ahead and eat from it. SubhanAllah, look at that, that they were worried about their son by, by focusing their attention on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they had, there's nothing that they could do. There's absolutely nothing that they could do except for dhikr, except for du'a, by repeating and, you know, by putting their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a way out for them. And what else? 
and provided sustenance from a place you would have never imagined. They were worried about their son, and not only did they get their son, they got sustenance for their entire family. SubhanAllah, it's totally amazing. Um, you know, uh, as, as Dr. Omar was mentioning, the, the, you know, the miracle in the sense of Khawla, she's, com she's complaining, she's, she's saying, uh, 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 talking about this oppression uh, about her, that her husband is doing to her, to Prophet Muhammad pleading uh, uh, with him that, um, you know, about this injustice, and she got the miracle of revelation, right, about her answering her on the spot. Aisha radiallahu subhanAllah, she was slandered. The whole community was talking about her. Um, and, and, and what happened? The miracle of Quran came and, and uh, revealed her, uh, of course, her, um, her innocence. Uh, and of course, all of the other um, uh, admonishments about, about slander in general. And Musa alayhi salam, when he was in front of the sea and Fir'aun is behind him and his people are with him, he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, but he has that taqwa. He has that tawakkul. He has that trust. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he strikes his staff as he's commanded, commanded and the, the sea parts. SubhanAllah. So what I wanted to say was, you know, we may not see these miracles in our lives. We will see some form, inshallah, but not like this. But the point of these miracles in the Quran is, is for us to look and say, yes, I believe. I believe that Allah can do this for me, right? In these modern times, in these modern days, when I'm racking my brain, I'm thinking, how am I going to get out of this bad relationship? How am I going to get out of this extreme financial difficulty? How am I going to get out of this sickness? I have people depending on me and I'm sick. I can't work or, you know, I don't know how I'm going to take care of my family. When you have all of these fears, maybe even doubts about the religion, maybe you have some doubt that's settled into your heart that's, that's subhanAllah completely upended your, your whole life because you want this religion, but now you have this doubt and you don't know what to do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make a way out for you. Don't despair in it. These miracles that happened are there in the Quran for us to believe, and these miracles can happen to you in the way that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wants us uh, to see them, inshallah. So, uh, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, you know when we have those questions, how will I ever be happy again? How will I ever love somebody again? How will I ever feel safe again? How will I ever believe again? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will make a way out for you. You just have to have taqwa. That the state that you're in of just fearing the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and wanting to do the things that are pleasing to him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us and make a way out for all of us in our times of difficulties, inshallah. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumallah khair, Astaghfirullah Lubna, for the beautiful words. SubhanAllah, I think the relationship that you just touched on between taqwa and tawakkul is one that's often um, not spoken about enough. If you are becoming a generally more aware person of Allah and you don't want to commit the sins that will earn the displeasure of Allah, Surely, when you're put in a situation where people easily forget Allah, you will remember Him. And when people easily commit sins and justify those sins internally by saying, hey, I was wrong too. You know, I'm, I'm getting, this is my revenge time. This is my payback time. Uh, a person will hold themselves back. And subhanAllah, that's, that's so spot on because it's just, it really is heartbreaking, honestly, to see the way that people behave. May Allah protect us. And I always say, we, we say, May Allah protect us from behaving in like manner, not just from being on the opposite end of something like that, but from behaving in like manner. When you see people just suddenly become just not themselves, right? It's like when, when, when uh, those times come. And that's where true character shines. They say, good character is how you deal with someone with su'al khuluq. It's how you deal with someone with bad character. The measure of good character is how you deal with someone with bad character. So I think the measure of good character is how you deal with a bad situation, you know, like as well. Like it's not just 
deal with bad character and individual, how you, how you shine in a bad situation uh, and stick to your ethics and stick to your principles. And that's, that's taqwa and that, that is inherently linked to tawakkul where I know Allah is going to bring me out of this if I do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with. Dola, you're, you're an imam. I mean, I'm sure you're seeing the um, breakdown in families and stuff all the time. Do you have any comments, Sheikh, about this entire subject? I mean, that you'd want to share? Any reflections? I mean, subhanAllah, it just reminds me of the state of the Prophet Rifqan bil qawarir, you know, to 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 have, to be gentle with these with the with these vessels. I mean, speaking about you know the woman, to be very gentle uh, because it's sort of the, you know when you look at Mujadala, it was in defense of you know a, a helpless, vulnerable woman. Radiallahu anha. May Allah be pleased with her. The Quran came down to justify her rights. You know, we have to think about that when we look at Islam in a certain way, or some people may look at Islam in a way in regards to women as though they are lesser of individuals that is not the case from a credo perspective from a, when the authoritative sources does not validate that type of claim or that type of understanding or belief regardless of any culture or any individual that may have grown up that way and we see that that was how they grew up with the, the companions but the quran came to transcend the culture to modify it in order to beautify it and every other culture in regards to preserving and when you do that last said Subhanallah. You have to fast two consecutive. We're only fasting one month, brothers and sisters. <laughs> two months because you violated your, your wife. You know, you, you, you a statement. Yeah, subhanAllah. We, this is not something that we, you do not take the feelings of any individual, but particularly your best friend, your wife. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we know, it's a mithaq and ghalila. It's a, it's a contract for a, between, between you and her. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who's going to help me get to Jannah? And Allah protects each and every one of you. And this this chapter, subhanAllah, is 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 a sign of that. SubhanAllah, what you just mentioned to the statement of Umar radiallahu anhu said, We used to have no regard for women whatsoever in Jahiliyyah until Allah revealed about them what he revealed and assigned to them what he assigned. Imagine Umar radiallahu anhu and Khawla bin Tha'laba and what, what that does to him when he sees Khawla, right? Like that's that's Islam. It, it took a society that was burying women alive, uh, burying little girls alive, and turned it into a society where Allah reveals Quran about an innocent woman that was slandered, and Allah reveals Quran about a woman that was, you know, being mistreated by her husband that was so poor that she didn't have the clothes to come to the Prophet's license to complain about that. SubhanAllah, that's, that transforms a society, and that, that truly was remarkable. Just the period... Like it takes time to root that stuff out, right? But the period at which Umar anhu changed because he revered what Allah revered and what the Prophet commanded. And so that switched up their entire ethical paradigms. And uh, it transpired in the most beautiful community to ever walk the face of the earth. Allah subhanahu be pleased with them. Send his peace and blessings on our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allahumma Ameen. Sister Lubna, before we go, it's it's right at we, we've got to end now, but uh, you always have like these uh, nuggets of wisdom, these like gems, like give us an inspirational quote, something for people to take home in the last two, three days of Ramadan now. What's, what should we do? What a classic. Like you're in the huddle, team huddle, and you're going to give like that, that, that speech right now, right? So like, what's your, what's, this is the last huddle, fourth quarter of Ramadan, the last, last two minutes of Ramadan. Love, no, love, no. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> Mashallah. Um, you know, I would say, subhanAllah, uh, because we were talking so much about helping people and we were talking so much about hardship in this in this episode, and we can take this, inshallah, with us these last few nights of Ramadan, you know, somebody's going to ask you for help in these last few nights. Somebody, Somebody's going to maybe be moving. They need, they need help financially. They need help, you know, guidance for their kids. They need, they need help. And, and, and sometimes you're like, oh, I'm about to go to Tarawiyah, you know, um, uh, you know, or, or I, I, I wanted to give this money to this uh, organization or, or I need it actually right now. I need to fix my car, whatever it is. Subhanallah, you know, as you were talking about, subhanallah, I messed it up, that ayah, messing up the team huddle. But subhanallah, what I was going to say was when you, you know, just kind of push down your needs and you go and you help your brother and sister in Islam, subhanAllah, or you help your neighbor, you help whoever it is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you, subhanAllah, so much, and will remove your own difficulties. Mm. Remove your own difficulties because you set aside, you know, your own difficult situation to go help somebody else. So when that waswasa comes and you're like, oh, but you need this, or yeah, you're going to use this time for something else, go and help that person, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you even more, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. So, summary expansive with your with your care selfless with people that you don't even know subhanallah the ansar selfless with your dua and selfless with your spouses and do not wrong when you're in a, in a in a place of power or in a place of distress men and women do not wrong your spouses in those situations do not wrong people around you of any class in any situation Expand your heart, expand your goodness, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will expand his goodness upon you. Jazakumullahu khaira. Ustadh al-Ubna, it was a pleasure as always. Jazakumullahu khaira, Shaykh Abdullah. You got to put up with me for two more two more of these, man. Then <laughs> We can do it. everyone. We will see you, inshallah ta'ala. Tomorrow, I remind you, inshallah, to uh, please support Yaqeen. Please continue to tune in. Keep us in your dua as well, inshallah. Assalamualaikum so whether you're a student, an imam, a counselor, a youth leader, an activist, a teacher, a child, a parent, you deserve to have an expert to turn to when you want to talk about Islam. You no longer need to imagine that single resource both our brothers and sisters in Islam and humanity can turn to for answers on the most compelling issues. Because Yaqeen is that resource. And it's completely free. Donate to Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research today so everyone can have somewhere to turn to to dismantle doubts, nurture conviction, and inspire contribution, one resource at a time.